<laughs> don't have any of my own money into it because oh yes, whatever. So go the shithead. So so go I. I've got stock in <laughs> Nokia and BlackBerry and Bed Bath and Beyond and all sorts of dumb stuff like that right now, just to see if one of them's gonna blow up because everyone wants to be an idiot that day. It'll happen. Nothing more than I can afford to lose, but it'll something's gonna happen. Yeah, that's all very valid podcast material right there. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin Lindstrom. Uh, welcome to episode 14 of the second season of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey, everyone. Rob Gilreath. Hey, guys. And Matt Cavender. You're stuck with me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> with the series with Alabama Huntsville coming up next week, hopefully. Uh, we've also got Oliver, is it Francis? Yep, pronounced Francis, spelled Francis. Okay. And Kelsey Sagwald, I don't know that one either. I should have asked this before <laughs> we started. Yeah, Sagwald, before we started recording. All right. Uh, joining us from Seymour Sports, say hi, both of you, for timing on my editing. Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this week, we'll talk about the Huskies' current events, like the Bowling Green series. I don't know if we'll want to talk about that very much, but we will. The Joe Show, your questions. Uh, CHN's Power 16 and preview the series with Alabama Huntsville. We'll probably spend some time talking about Seymour Sports and where that all came from, too. Before we take a break, I want to touch on one thing. We fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. We'll be doing a monthly Zoom chat with a special guest. Our next guest will be the former Husky and current Youngstown Phantoms head coach, Brad Patterson. This will happen on Tuesday, February 9th at 8 p.m. Listen to that. I have a date and a time. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 8 p.m. Central. Congratulations. Yeah, that'll be shortly after the end of the Michigan Tech Fair State game. I scheduled it, then remembered that we had a game that day, so I quickly looked it up and saw that the game starts at 3. So you guys get to just uh, kind of roll right in from that, take a the dinner break, and then come three? back for our Zoom chat. What's that? The game starts at three next Tuesday. Yeah, God, that's oh, so boy. they can get the heck out of Huntsville or out of Ferris and back home, I guess, huh? And that's oh. Eastern time. No, that's Central time. I think Three the app Central? changes oh, it for okay. me. So, all right, I'm hoping to make it to that game in person, but we'll see with that timing with work. Yeah, I may have to take the afternoon off to watch hockey. <laughs> <laughs> These monthly chats are available at the white level, which is just two dollars a month. Since the podcast started, we've done uh, extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5 a month. We have two new patrons at this level since last week. Uh, Ferris State play-by-play announcer Harrison Watt and my friend and co-worker Sarah Gillette. Thank you both for supporting the podcast. Apparently, all we have to do is butter up play-by-play guys to get them to sign up. So who should we do next, guys? <laughs> Let's pick the Bemidji guys. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. I don't know if we can get them <laughs> they to They would listen. be all about the maple syrup. They, they would, would love it. They would help us push for the maple syrup sponsorship. All right. At the gold <laughs> level, for $10 a month, you get access to everything we've mentioned and the Zoom video of our podcast before the rest is out. 
Uh, both Harrison and Sarah are eligible to get an authentic MTU jersey patch for, for being at the black level or above. I'm running out of those, so now I have to order more, I think, soon. But if Harrison gets one, he needs to wear it during a Ferris State broadcast. All right. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and discuss the Bowling Green series. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to either. No one wants to. <laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, Welcome back. So I suppose we should start with discussing the disappointing weekend in Ohio for Michigan Tech. But nobody wants to talk about it, so I don't know what we're going to do here. That's that's true. I, I, it's it's a classic reason of why I don't do Ohio. So I think that point is simple. I don't think there's any denying that we just got we got beat by a team that was ready to play. You know, we can't be giving up that many shots, that many scoring opportunities to a team that's got that much talent, that many upperclassmen. Like we just couldn't play the way that we did against Bowling Green and it ended up burning us. But I know that I said that I was going to get rattled about officiating here and this is where I'm going to do it. And I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to make it quick and simple. You know, I I think that officials are there more often than not. They're humans and they're there to make sure the game is played safely. I'm one of the most pro official guys you'll ever see, but there were definitely some cha- some times where I felt like we were not given a, a, a fair shake at like getting back into the game. The one that really like, is stuck in my mind and has really been pissing me off this whole weekend is that one phantom tripping call where no one was around the Bowling Green guy. He fell down and we got a penalty. I just don't know how we're supposed to overcome that adversity. You're supposed to be able to pick yourself up and find a way to get past that kind of stuff. But sometimes stuff like that happens and I don't even know what to say to anybody who's trying to overcome that. The one that frustrated me the most was the, uh, Stopping on the blue line, having a guy skate backwards into you, um, interference call when you're holding the blue line. I I don't know how that's interference. That what, one was special. But what, what night was that? Um, I think it was Saturday night. That would be my one whining about the. Yeah, it was Saturday. That's the one on Misiak in the beginning of the second where he got pretty uh, heated about it. I know the Discord chat discussion was kind of fun with uh, your dad there, Rob. Uh, yeah. Calling, I mean, calling Matt a little, well, it was actually Jay-Z, a little crybaby yeah. about uh, the refs and all this. Because in the past, Joe has taken it to the extreme of basically calling it a conspiracy against Michigan Tech. Yep. Which I don't think anybody thinks is true. I just think nope. the refs are kind of terrible except for joe i think joe <laughs> believes it well yeah i wouldn't go as far as a conspiracy against tech but there's definitely been some trash stuff that really seems sloppy it happens to everybody watch some games that aren't tech games and where yeah. you, you can be more impartial and the refing is not better it, no, it's I, not think, just, I think it's true it's not just us i think the and I you think, still have like as much as we think like the nchc refs are better you still 
see tweets complaining about refs for UMD or CC or or Denver or North Dakota, like it happens. Like they're not perfect, and and I get that, but at the same time, it's one thing. Like I guess it was weird because right around the same time that we were having that argument on Discord, like Dirk and Dave Ellis were both thought within the matter of like thirty seconds that that uh, the refs missed two penalties on Bowling Green, one for too many men and another for basically the same obstruction that got called for kneeing, I think, on us, right? Like that same... Yeah, we had a kneeing call. Yeah. Um, And it was just like, that's that's the issue. Not that it matters all that much because we weren't that good on the power play, but at the same time, if it had been more back and forth for calls, maybe it wouldn't have gotten that bad. And then the other fun thing that happened was Jonathan Zemedes got called out by the Bowling Green fans after the <laughs> yeah, fact. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, he did. For, for, for doing something that I never would have done myself, which was claiming that Bowling Green is quite possibly the most overrated team in the country. He kind of deserves to get called out on that one then. <laughs> he does. He was not happy with me at all when I <laughs> called him out about that. When you tagged him on it? Yeah. Yeah, he was very upset with me. Well, that's part of writing and putting that kind of stuff out there is if you're wrong, you're going to get it. Yeah, we all we all have a bad take here and there. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. And I guess I didn't really read it all to understand his his theory of it. But I don't know how you can look at any team that's as experienced as Bowling Green is and and not give them the credit they deserve for where they were at at that's this true. point. He's also historically done an absolutely bang up job at those series previews, though. So I mean, he's got. I know, and I'm not trying to. I the last thing I want to do is piss him off and have him walk away (laughs) because he is very good at it. Oh yeah. From a predictive standpoint, he's really good, and I think in the little tidbit that got tagged on the internet on Twitter. Wait, you mean on Twitter things get taken out of context and only small bits of them get shown and then it blows up and then it's no, no, no. meant? I'm saying like over time <laughs> he's very good at predicting, but this time he was totally wrong. Yeah. And well, it's going to des- happen. And he writing. deserves some scrutiny for it. But the the one part that got me was I think he was if you look at what he said, if I remember correctly, the things that he called out like the the two teams he said he was previously right about, I think he was right. It was Clarkson and NMU the past couple of years. Yeah. So I don't think he, I think he just picked the wrong team this year. But some of that, like I struggled to blame him too much because this is the year where you're we don't really know because there isn't a lot of comparison. Comparison. They're the, they're the only and team I that s- has played other league game out of conference games and they've done well. So I think yep. they're. They deserve the respect they're getting. And honestly, I, mean, I felt the same way he did going into the weekend. Like, I, to, to kind of take it, you know, back to the Discord chat, our, our boy Bob Gilreath made some awesome points in there where, you know, we got in there and we just got playing beat by a team that, you know, put up more chances and came to play. There is an extent to which that is very true, but we did get burned by some bad calls. And I don't know how much that changes the momentum because Bowling Green is a very good team, but that's something we'll never really know. Yep. You also have to have, have to have the mental toughness that if you get burned by a bad call, you can't, you got to bounce right. back. You know, good teams get burned by bad calls too. And then they just go out and they score a goal to make up for it. Right. Rather than committing another, you know, penalty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's frustrating to watch that much special teams happen. It's also frustrating to me that, and I do think it's deserved, our fan base as well as Joe have a reputation of the refs are out to get us all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Why have we suddenly become the entitled team of the league that thinks everybody's <laughs> out to be naughty against us? I really think it's just the one time Joe went off. And I think if if you read the whole transcript of his comments, if you kind of take the uh, if you take the conspiracy against Michigan Tech comments, you know, with the grain of salt, you're like, okay, Joey. If you look at him that way, he does have some pretty valid things to say. There have been some rough calls that aren't called both ways. You know, most of my comment there isn't really pointed but to Joe though. Yeah, that's pointed at the. I don't want to sound like the old dude that's been around tech hockey for a long time, but the younger fan base thinks we're the. We think that we're better than we are a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and it's improved massively over the last, you know, ten years or so. But some some down seasons maybe wouldn't do some people some harm to you know. Get a little perspective you, you, as to where we are. You're thinking that maybe our team needs to be served some humble pie just for the sake of getting our fans back down to being rational. No, I like seeing wins. <laughs> don't get me wrong. <laughs> but this expectation that we're supposed to sweep everybody, no matter who they are or where we are, is is a bit crazy to me. And it's, yeah, well, uh, and I think I think part of your point is much to what your dad said. It's not like we. I mean, I know we just lost. Like. If you look, because at, we played if you look worse. at Saturday, it was a one goal game till there was what seven sure, minutes but left. We, on Saturday, we went up one to nothing. What, yeah. What's a good team do when they go up one to nothing? They, they go don't let the other team back in no, the I game, get it. and they win. No, I'm not saying we didn't do that. Yeah, like it's not. Well, both of them had empty netters, so they're like Which, the three. We're goal. back on that train of awful again. Apparently, pull yeah. it just to guarantee the other team a goal. Yeah, yeah. There's. Another thing I was touching the Joe show. I don't know if I'm going to say that for another segment. But he mentioned that saying that what we were like 14 out of 15. The yeah. other team scores on us when we pull we've a goalie. Be, where he's saying we've got to be better <laughs> yeah. at that. Where it's ba- we're basically guaranteeing a goal anytime you pull the net. I feel like in the last five years watching us, like oh, goalie's pulled. Here comes the the goal for the other team. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been it's been a, almost a guarantee to see that goal go the wrong way. Yep, these last few years. Well, I know. Yeah, I mean, we'll get Joe to that actually later, pulled but that yeah, stat I, out for us. I just think the you can't really look at it and not think that, like, yes, it was probably closer than the score shows, but at the same time, like, we we didn't win. We we weren't really that close. Yeah, it needs needs that competitive put them away edge. When you have teams that are gonna, like, we didn't do good on faceoffs. Nope, um, those were bad. I got those stats in front of me. They're not pretty. At badly least, outshot. At least Friday night we were decent on shot, but Saturday night we were badly outshot. When you give up forty shots in a game and twenty of them are in one period, I know there was a lot of special teams in that period. Yeah, but twenty shots given up in a period is uh, is not an ideal stat to have in any way. That that's a game total when you're shutting somebody down. Not so they still had twelve shots without anything on the power play. But anyway, like, I think it felt like it was closer than it was. I mean, we can start and talk Friday about the big, the big question is, why did Sinclair start? That was my complaint. Uh, because part of the reason Saturday looked as good as it did is because Pietola made some great saves to keep it close. 
Yeah, but I don't think a lot of those goals were on Sinclair either, though. I don't either. I don't think. I think he's a fantastic goalie that has not been given a true chance to shine with the play that's been in front of him. Yeah, I don't feel like those most of them were. One went off a skate in front of him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in one, what in what is one of your biggest games of the year, and arguably the biggest game to date of the year, you put out your best, and Pietala has shown that he is the best. That doesn't mean that Sinclair is not good. But you have to put out your best on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand the decision either. But then again, I'm not a professional hockey coach. Especially when you have four games in the next week and a half here against what should be easier opponents. That's where you get Sinclair in if Pietilis tired or however you want to say it. Like, yeah, I think Pietilis should have started Friday. And I know, I think it was on the Discord chat too, where somebody said that. Like, Sinclair never looked comfortable on Friday. He didn't play that long. What was it, like 10 minutes before he got pulled? Yeah, the, f- the first period. Something like that. Didn't he get pulled after the third goal? The first period wasn't nice. Yeah. It just seems like the team got off on the wrong foot starting Sinclair. And maybe it had something to do with nagging COVID stuff with Pietala, but then he still ended up playing 110 minutes on the weekend. So it's not like he didn't end up playing almost two full games. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's disappointing to go into such a big weekend. I know Dave Ellis pointed out a stat that in the regular season, Michigan Tech has never lost on Saturday in Bowling Green until this week. <laughs> so that was frustrating. That's a hard stat to believe. That's huh, interesting. Mm. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, they haven't swept every time, but they've never they had never lost on Saturday other than that playoff series we had down there. Well, if it's a weird corner case stat, I expect Dave to have it. So <laughs> That's true. And he that's, did. That's kind of what he does. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think that's enough of that series. We'll, yes. We can we can put that in the drawer and forget about it and hopefully uh, find a way to uh, improve. On We're somehow, what, still third in the standings at 2-2? Two yep. and, two? <laughs> and I think that the major <laughs> takeaway for me is that it definitely – means Pietel is the number one starter. I think that he should have been playing Friday night. I think if he played, you know, really well, then we could think about talking Sinclair. And to me, Bowling Green's exactly who I think they are, for better or for worse. And that's about all I have to say about it. Let's just throw it in the sh- throw it in the in the corner and not talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on to our guests who who have sat by patiently as we complained about a bad hockey weekend. <laughs> you guys are saints for listening to that. Yeah. Okay, it took all of my willpower to keep my mouth shut. You didn't, you didn't have to. You can talk. You can make fun of us. How whiny do we Because I'm sitting sound? here and I'm like, okay, so UND has... And the NCHC has just as horrible refs as all the other conferences. Refing just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, the NCAA tournament effectively is a carnival of conferences wishing fans of teams of one conference wishing they didn't have refs in the other conference. So you'll get, you'll get, if Tech makes it that far, you'll get plenty of time to complain about other conferences officiating. We've watched a lot of Atlantic hockey this, officiating this year, and we've seen things called tighter than the NCHC or the WCHA. Oh, we've boy. watched ho- some hockey out east, just to, for some context. It's it's bad, but it's it can be bad. It can be good. I, I think the refs are maybe a bit better, and I think that they have a tough job, like you guys said. Um, but yeah, and on Sinclair, yes, Piela is statistically the better goalie. Um, however, go back to last January and look at what he did on Huntsville. 
who on a diff- way different Huntsville team against UND just to keep them in both of those games was um magic. He's <laughs> yeah. he's he's plenty good enough um that he could go the um we could potentially see him going the the long Arendelle route of like starting in the SPHL and then working his way up in, in four or five years. And everyone wonders, well, how did he do that? Well, look at what he did on these teams. Yeah. Well, and it's not, it's no, it, it's nothing against Sinclair. I think he's better than what we got out of Baydoon last year. I think he's a perfectly fine goalie. I think he's a great backup, but I think Pietel is the clear number one. And he's shown that because he just, I don't know. And it's not, yeah, I think Sinclair can do it, but he hasn't shown it yet. And maybe, like the guys are saying, for whatever reason, the team just doesn't play as well in front of him. But um, it's it definitely feels like it's Pietel's job to lose, and I'm not really sure why. Well, I guess I know why two weeks ago Joe went with Sinclair off the bat, but I don't know why he came back with it this time with, like Dustin said, such important games. But anyway... So how did Seymour Sports get started? Yeah, I'm curious the backstory here because I looked a little <laughs> bit, and you guys are nowhere near Huntsville, but you cover. We are Huntsville. very not. Right. <laughs> so I am. I, this backstory is very interesting to me. I'm 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 excited to hear the the reasoning here. Uh, the reasoning why we cover Huntsville, or do you want like just a the general rundown? story? Yeah. Okay, so Seymour Sports launched in 2016. Following um, the U uh, eighteen tournament during during the U eighteen tournament um, at uh, the Ralph in Grand Forks, uh, both Oliver and I are UND graduates. I let oh, I invited UND met. graduates on the podcast. Oh, that's boy. a tough Man. one, Tim. Hey, we, were the, we wrote nice articles about the misfits that you guys like. We think so. <laughs> that's true. My buddy, my, I. I think I knew about you before anyone else on the podcast because Evan's a really good friend of mine, and he said that you interviewed him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, re- I like I've known about them for a while. It's just they reached out to to talk, and I thought it was great because we haven't really. No offense to Jeff, but he's kind of a Debbie Downer, so we weren't going to have him on again. <laughs> and I didn't reach out to Mike because I don't really know him at all. And I know Matt had talked about us trying to get like the play by play guy from the penalty what is it penalty box radio or whatever on but there yeah the the new the new announcer for Huntsville is awesome i Peyton like listening is to fabulous. him i love listening to him he's a great person to talk to so it, he would be a lot of fun to have on the show i think um but back to the backstory <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so we started writing about uh, a little goaltender, names of Merrick's Mittens, who is now the starting goaltender and senior for Lake Superior State. Yeah, he has one of the best goalie names uh, in college hockey by far. <laughs> and a, by far. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and he, uh, so that's just kind of how it started on a whim. I have a, um, hockey is kind of my like getaway i have a super rare chronic pain condition um and so hockey's like my quiet place it's the hockey rink is the only place i'm pain free so um it's kind of like my happy place and so it just made sense to keep it in our lives as much as possible um so that's how seymour sports started and then for coverage of huntsville um last year they played UND in January and um 
the then head coach, Mike Corbett, came down. I'm a photographer. Um, Oliver does most of the writing and tweeting. Um, and uh, Corbs came down and sat next to me in the media room on ice level. And we had a conversation about realignment of college hockey and trying to make it easier to expand the game. Um, and we talked for half an hour, 45 minutes while he was writing his line chart for the game that was starting in an hour. (laughs) (laughs) If you're ever looking for a super honest coach to talk to, he is the straightest laced, will tell you everything you want to know and more um, (laughs) with no sugarcoating at all. Um, and uh, so he, so that's kind of what started our relationship with Huntsville. And then when the program was dropped in May, we were super involved in the Save UAH program and doing all of that kind of stuff. And it just kind of stuck. The new coaching staff is like, hey, will you guys keep writing about us? And we're like, well, we love you. So I guess we'll stay. <laughs> and and that kind of transitioned Seymour Sports into being we want to call ourselves the home of the underdog. Like there are plenty of stories, like even in Michigan tech in Huntsville, AIC Lake Superior state, and all of these teams that don't have the same level of media coverage that a UND or a Boston college might that we want to try and cover. And there's stories on UND and Boston college that don't get the coverage that they should. Um, so we want to try and be the home of the underdog in college hockey. And then as we grow, hopefully more the more underdogs we can write about in, the, in college sports the better but college hockey is like kelsey said our 100 percent home um and every time we've uh and we really got interested in michigan tech even uh last november the hall of fame game i've never seen a student section as organized as the misfits so we literally walked over there and interviewed them during intermission like it was we, we talked to them during intermission and just seeing the misfits seeing how passionate they were and seeing how they drowned out UND student section was kind of, kind of inspiring a little bit, honestly, we call you guys the best out of town uh, student cheer group. And we mean that. Appreciate that. So, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to forward that on to Evan, the current president. Cause I know he's talked to you guys and I'm sure he, he remembers you guys pretty fondly, but it's in the Mitch's misfits bio. Yep. <laughs> it's, I, I'm sure he put it there. So that's kind of the story of Seymour Sports. In a, in a nutshell. So you you have covered things like Fair or uh, Lake State and stuff, because I know when we were working on like the the old, when we used to do our poll, they were like the hardest one for me to find anybody to vote. Yes, we cover, um, if you don't have traditional media coverage, we cover you. Um, Lake State has been interesting. They got a new SID um two years ago Mm -hmm. and um she is um on a struggle bus to say it nicely she doesn't like to answer emails or phone calls (laughs) oh wonderful love that for you um yeah it's fabulous sounds like somebody that might be up in alaska anchorage right now Um, it's fabulous trying to figure out how to, you know, it took us two years. Like, I'm really good friends with Mittens now since we've been covering them for five years. But, um, so like we FaceTime and text and all of that stuff. And so it was pretty easy for us to get interviews with him, but to get anybody else or coaches interviews, the only time we got them is when we traveled to Bemidji 
to go watch them play. We saw, yeah, we've seen them multiple times playing Bemidji uh, to the point where Damon Witten, uh, they lost a game seven to one last November that we were there and we covered, we covered Lake State. We were the only media there covering Lake State, just like we were the only ones covering Huntsville. Um, he remembered us like he had no reason to remember us because we had seen them one game the year before the year before, I believe. So there is no reason for some of these coaches to remember us. But like we just we interviewed Eric Lang of AIC 30 minutes ago and he just he made time for us, like because we write about teams that don't get the coverage and, and, and arguably the respect they deserve. Like, that's what we do. We love seeing the underdogs succeed in this game. It's great. It's one of my favorite aspects of college hockey. And it was a little more prevalent before the leagues tossed themselves all over the place and were geographic based, where you'd have the big schools up against the small schools on a league basis. Now that's kind of been cut out of the game a little bit, unfortunately, with the realignment. But, you know, seeing Minnesota come in to play at Tech as a little kid uh, was always, you know, a highlight of the year, seeing them and UND come in, Wisconsin coming up to Houghton, right? It's unfortunate mm-hmm. that college hockey has lost some of that yeah. parity in terms of the leagues with the recent realignments. You may understand why they've happened, but and we can complain about those as much as we want and have complained about those extensively, <laughs> right? I actually just wrote a story this week on Sunday about realigning of college hockey. So yeah, <laughs> proposed a new a new path forward, basically. Yeah, I saw that. With I read it. I read it as part of my of prep. For, yeah, you had Big Ten. <laughs> Big Ten staying in their own because they're the Big Ten, right? But everything else went back to a geographic basis. And yeah. I think that's one of the things the we've really lost in college hockey through realignment is the geographic rivalries that were there. Yes. There's no reason for UMD and us to be in different leagues. Yeah. We're four hours away from each other, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. That should be a league rivalry. Yeah. So, Rob, I think a different way to put what you said is it's just neat to see the little schools and the big schools be competitive yeah. against each other. It's also the only – it's one of the few sports that is that way, right? Yes. You think about the big sports, basketball and, and football. Football and all that. There's, like there's nothing no like competition, it. right? It's, it's scheduling cupcakes when you play the smaller schools, and that's not the case in hockey. Exactly. And, like, when I when I hear these guys from Seymour talking about AIC, I always get a smile on my face thinking about how one of my favorite non-tech memories is throwing the TV on and watching AIC beat St. Cloud in the national tournament. <laughs> We were at that game. That's incredible. I would have lost my mind. (laughs) And I was actually working for Denver. Denver had hired me that weekend to do their photography for that regional. And so it was really, it was terrible for me because I really wanted AIC to beat Denver that weekend. Everyone did. Just to upset everything. (laughs) But you know what? After the game, Eric Lang was, you know, he said, he said we wanted it to be a one shot game coming in and that's what we got. And, they were close and they and they nearly pulled it off. And this year, um, their broadcaster SID and guy who does has like thirty seven job titles rolled into one set. <laughs> so he he um he called them a buzzsaw, and they are. And and go back to the national media coverage. There was an article that came out today picking teams, and they had AIC near the bottom. And their reasoning being that. They said they got swept handily against Quinnipiac. Well, if you look at the underlying numbers of that, those two games, the Friday night game, yes, they lost eight to two. They also took way more penalties, and Lang was obviously not happy about that. But they out they outshot them at five on five, and Quinnipiac has Keith Petrozelli in that. He's up. He's pretty good. They also have Odin Tufto. I watched Petrozelli get drafted in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was sitting. I was sitting behind him when it happened. It was nuts, but. 
beside the he's point. He's impressive. <laughs> um, and uh, and they also have arguably a Hobie Baker candidate more than a couple people on uh, who's higher up on our list than a few people on UND um, and Odin Tufto. I mean, he has Nick Backstrom like hands with the grit of um, defensive grit of a guy like Brad Marchand. Um, he he took over that game on the power play as a distributor. Then the next night they go to AI, they go to AIC. And it's a three-two game. It's it's a coin flip type of a game. Could have gone either way. And Lang actually felt better about his team after that weekend. So we wouldn't really call that getting swept handily. But then again, that's that's where people like us come in. Um, we honestly think Atlantic Hockey should get two teams in this year with how good Robert Morris has played too. Um, but that's another. That's a more fun bracketology discussion. And, and to for circle later. all that back around to our first topic, those three are the three out of conference wins that Bowling Green has. They beat Robert Morris. They've beat Quinnipiac twice. They're not overrated. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. And Robert Morris, uh, we talked to them after that game. They were one of those games. They were upset because they thought they should have beaten them Mm -hmm. um, for how they were leading in one of those games, I think, going into the third period. Um, And you guys talk about underdogs, and we'll kind of link this back to Huntsville. Um, At least two or three of these players, of these now uh, 14 freshmen with they just got picked up Josh Martin from Alaska Anchorage this week 14 of these fre- of these 14 freshmen at least two or three of them were committed to go to division three schools um, and one of them their their top line star their, their top line center their Hobie Baker nominee Tyrone Bronte had no offers in June none the only reason that they saw him is because they had to fill out rosters and they had to do this in the summer and they watched a bunch of video. They liked the speed and they gave him a chance and it paid off for them. If you go on Peyton Turnage's um, Twitter feed while it still is pinned tweet, watch the head fake that he, he gives um, the bear state defender before he dishes it off to Finson for that overtime winner. His speed as you guys saw when, when tech played um, Huntsville, especially in that second game, his speed is tough to compete against. Doesn't doesn't matter um, where he came from. Uh, it doesn't matter where he came from in the context of he wasn't recruited by a lot of people. It does matter where he comes from because his parents watch him from Australia. Yeah, I, I also think he's one of the first Australians I've ever seen on uh, as where he's from in, in Division One. I. I don't know if he is the first Australian, but no, I mean, I, we think he's, he's the second. We think he's the he's second. The second. But okay. ironically, I don't the, think the I've first seen first Australian. This is a completely random trivia fact. The first Australian college ice hockey player that we know of, that, and someone can obviously correct us on this if we're wrong, but the first Australian college ice hockey player was the goaltending coach on the Melbourne Ice um, for, for at least one, if not both of the years that Bronte played for them when they were considered an amateur league. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that to us was kind of interesting. Um, Who was that? I don't have his name. Offhand, Kelsey will find it because she's way better at uh, <laughs> researching things during the middle of a podcast than I am. So <laughs> I usually end up with way too many tabs open by the time we're done for the night. Michael James. Michael James. Okay. I was just noticing that one of them is still the chartable that tracks our podcast ranking for college hockey. And somehow our podcast is doing better than it normally does with the last couple podcasts. And yet we dropped out of the rankings somehow. So. I don't get it at all. Eh, if it makes you guys feel any better since we've pivoted, and we still do write about UND, but we try to be, we'll, we'll try and 
provide look at them through an honest and, and critical lens from which is we which still, is something that's <laughs> very very rare from a uh, it's it's very <laughs> much needed from that fan base correct you think we're entitled at tech in the new leagues yeah, boy it's like I've, if we're I've if we're not hitting a... the national championship in the like <laughs> in the preseason standings then whoever wrote it can just go yeah. pound sand <laughs> well and it's not that UND is an, UND is a great and wonderful team. They are. They're one of the best teams in the game. Our issue comes down to perception. We'll, we'll compare UND and AIC. AIC wins a game three to one, but there's some noticeable issues and they take too many penalties. Eric Lang to a man will come out and say, we took too many penalties and it is a, and we don't know honestly how we won that game or something to that. He said versions of that after they have won games this year. Whereas other coaches may be like, well, we battled through adversity. We played a 200 foot game and we won somehow like that to us. We, we appreciate coaches and players who are straight up and honest like that. That to us brings brings what fans are looking for. And as reporters, we, we prefer to have a full context of things as opposed to hearing the cliches of, you know, of a 200 foot game and any you know high compete level okay great what is that lucky bounces lucky bounces und outshot attempted omaha 70 something to like 30 or 40 this on a saturday night game but they lost and they lost because omaha capitalized on their opportunities omaha was beat them the exact same way last january in the mouth now when the fresh mittens freshman year they got outshot attempted by Bemidji State in the game the game we covered that he started 82 to like 20 something and they won two nothing with including an empty netter to make it two didn't hear Bemidji State complain one iota about they were more upset about the goaltender interference that was uh, called and upheld on review than they were about um the than they were about the um the final score they we didn't hear that same level of concern. Um, but back to Huntsville, um, as we kind of move into talking about this weekend, Huntsville as a team, you they've gotten better since that December series. And you guys saw in that second game what they were able to do. Like Piedela, we saw and we've been writing about him as one of the best goaltenders in the country. That weekend proved it. That set that's that second game proved how good he was. He was able to do a lot of things to stop backdoor saves. Or it was no, it was the Friday game. It was the Friday game Pietro played, and I think the Sunday game Sinclair played. But whenever we saw him, he he won that game for Michigan Tech. He was he kept them in it and he won it, helped them win handily. Yeah. That was a kind of roundabout tangent way to say, let's move on to talking about uh, this weekend in Huntsville and the, sec- the second rent tech facing the second team with the second best power play in the country. Formerly after this weekend, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so are they cleared to play this weekend? Yes. Yep. Um, okay. We got final word from the coaching staff yesterday um, that they're completely cleared to play. They started practice on Friday. We spoke with uh, Josh last night, um, their new incoming transfer from Anchorage. Anchorage, And they are cleared to play this weekend. Good. Because I was just looking at their schedule and they played two games since we swept them. So, yeah. 
But we've only played four, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just weird season five. Um, but back to this series this weekend um, with Huntsville. I will have to say, though, that you, um, Tech is up for a interesting um, series. This the the uh, Huntsville team that you guys are going to be up against this weekend is not the same team that you guys played four weeks ago. They may be coming off of COVID protocol. Um, however, they did sweep Ferris State um, in front of for the first time. Um, since so did everybody else. Yes, but they swept at home for the first time since like 2003. And in front of their home fans against UConn in two thousand and three in a conference series, yeah. Wow. Um, more to that point, um, this team, this Huntsville team, isn't. Yes, Bronte is their top line center, but really, the, the one of their biggest strengths is ironically how deep they are in terms of being able to have a lot of interchangeable parts and in come in and do the job that they need to do. And they're a team that's kind of founded on effort. And the, there's a cliche in this game that everyone plays with a chip on their shoulder. Well, the whole program has a chip on its shoulder this year and they're playing like it. And they weren't at the beginning of the season. Their first couple series I watched and I was like, are you kidding me? I worked this hard to save you guys and you suck. <laughs> I'll soften that up a bit by saying they were up on Robert Morris one nothing going into the third period. David Fessenden gets injured and their third string goaltender, George McVay, who hadn't played at all the year before, gets to come come in cold. They score one goal and Robert Morris scores five. <laughs> like they that third they were holding holding the line that game against the team that's proven to be a little bit better this year. Yeah. No, I I I think there's little doubt about that. I also think Tech had found his stride and I think Tech will be kind of pissed off, so I don't expect them to be especially with Fair State tomorrow, which will have already happened by the time you guys all listen to this unless you pay $10 a month and watch the video this evening after I post it. <laughs> Like it's not like Tech is going to be looking ahead to another series because they've got Ferris after that. So it's not like there's a Minnesota State or a Bowling Green or Bemidji or Northern on the horizon that they're going to be looking ahead. So I don't I don't expect that to be a problem. But at the same time, I didn't really expect them to go down there last year and and uh, not put it together on Saturday night after they, they won Friday in what was not an easy game for, what, 40-some minutes? Is that right, Matt, if I remember correctly? I am not exactly sure, and I was keeping up with some of my friends in the Misfits chat to see if they wanted to have any questions, so I was a little bit zoned out there, I will not lie. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I'm pretty sure last year when we went to Huntsville, it took the team a good 40 minutes to finally figure it out and get some dirty goals and, and break it open. And I kind of thought they had figured it out. And then Saturday they turned around and kind of laid an egg down there. If I remember, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. And I was really disappointed in that because that was our, I don't know if it is the longest official misses trip. I believe it is. It is, but they got a good, they got a good like 30 kids. They drive all that way to Huntsville. And then, you think like that kind of a thing. Like I know that all of you have seen what it does to the team when they go into a building that see all those tech fans. Yeah. Like I was 
a little surprised that they didn't spur him on a bit more to do better in that series. Yeah, I was just looking to see if I could find the the box score from that Saturday night last year, but I um I really dislike the Michigan Tech website. <laughs> it's not I noticed that as well now that I've been like looking into stats too, because like all the other teams will have like, you know, like nice team logos and links to other team sites and links to more stats, whereas we just have like names and sometimes like there's a, there's a wrong capitalization somewhere like i noticed that there's like some capital i's that look like l's in there so saturday night last february uh a year ago from today actually as we record this michigan tech outshot huntsville 30 to 21 but lost three to one uh we're down two nothings tied the or got within one and then gave up a shorty with like a minute and a half left so it was empty net shorty. Tech went 0 for 7 on the power play. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That... You can't win games that way. I remember <laughs> being very upset watching that game. I do remember that very clearly. And now it's just resonating with me that, yeah. Until was... second win of the year. I was at karaoke that night, which I miss very much during this time. So I wasn't that mad, but I was, I was mad enough to, you know, have sure. another beer and go sing another song. <laughs> so the name of seymour sports kelsey's from the seattle area i'm from the baltimore more area okay and um i just assume it was a pun on the fun fact there is no sue jerseys wow, in our house that's actually very interesting there's one in this house there's um mike uh you want to tell him about the game the the two game worn jerseys from oh yeah we are one of a handful of alabama huntsville game board jerseys that exist outside of alabama huntsville um with our for a little treat Don't as our Ryan. reward for covering alabama huntsville uh uh mike corbett sent us two game worn jerseys nice. and one of them last is, season yeah one of them is a jake toit <laughs> jake toit <laughs> northeastern boy um. let's go <laughs> there you go <laughs> I totally planned that. <laughs> I just I just wanted to throw I wear a different stupid jersey every week and it's bean pot week, so I figured why not? Even though they're not actually playing it. <laughs> hey, you know, everyone's got their thing. When I was in college, I did Jersey Thursdays and wore a different jersey every Thursday for five years. So it's a thing. <laughs> I when I attended games as a fan at at UND before we started covering them, I'd wear an Indiana Ice uh, Nick Matson jersey because I actually interned for them during their last semester during during their last uh, season That's when sick. they won the Quark Cup. And Nick Matson played for the Ice, and he was the first player that I interviewed. It was for the Ice. We actually got married in that Nick Matson jersey and an Aaron Dell jersey. <laughs> yep. Nice. Random fun fact. Yeah, we 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 got married uh, the Sunday after UND lost in double overtime to Boston. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> that was the most heartbreaking situation I've ever been a part of. All right, well, you pop process those memories. Let's talk about the Joe show. So, did you guys have any takeaways other than what we kind of touched on already? No, I I just wanted to say we heard a we heard a Joeism this week. I he oh, talked boy. a little he talked a little bit about um, hard skill. That's he always did. a favorite. Yep. Yeah. So we yeah. had hard skill this week. Yeah. Matt, did you link that that 
RSS feed last week? I didn't because I suck at my job. All right. And I so, also didn't understand so I'll how put it, it works. I'll put it in this podcast. So Matt is going to link in the liner notes or in the show notes a link to the Joe show. Uh, so basically what you do is you copy that link, the RSS feed, paste it in the search function of your podcast app of choice, and then you and then the Joe show should show up as a podcast that you can subscribe to. So it worked for me this morning. I subscribed to it over the weekend, and then I put the notification on. So as soon as it was up there, I got notified that I could go listen to the Joe show. It's a little crappy because it doesn't have, like, cover art it doesn't say the joe sean hour it just says michigan tech athletics it's fine if i get a chance i will bug calvin to uh to share screens with me or something so i can tell him how to like tweak it but i don't necessarily know how um i think that's through their like presto sports people that do the other sports that they push that out on so i'm not sure what he can really do on his end for editing it but it does work to take that link copied in the search field for your podcast app of choice. I got it to work on pocket cast. I know it worked on Apple podcast, so it should work for you to do that too. So that's a good thing now that we can do that at least. But the, the two things that I took from the show that we haven't touched on was I liked him talking about how much Trenton bliss has stepped up to be like the leader and how much he's talked about how, Bliss is the guy, like a lot of times when they're meeting with some of the younger players that they, they're they not caught off guard by what Coach has to say because Bliss has already kind of talked about those, those same concerns or mistakes or issues with the players. I think that's great that we have that, that voice on the team, and I'm not really that surprised that it's Bliss that's taken that role. Did you guys catch that? Any comments on it? I did catch that, and I thought that was kind of a neat thing for him to say. It was kind of high praise for Bliss, and I think he's also correct in saying so. Let's see if he, you know, heard those comments, if he takes those to heart, if it ends up, you know, being a positive or negative thing that he hears them, but I I caught that as well. No, Rob, I thought you were going to talk. No, I didn't make it through. That's the last thing I listened to in the Joe show. That's as far as I got in it. So I agree. It is nice to, you know, he talked about how sometimes he'll go to talk to a player Right. And, and Bliss will have already told the freshman what he's going to go tell him. Right. Yep. So that's when, you know, things are things are working well. Yeah. You want to yep. you want to have that communication in the locker room yeah. outside of the coaching well, staff. If good. you remember a couple of years back, he talked that way a lot about uh, like Brett Baltus, for example. Right. Yep. Baltus was his go to guy for that kind of stuff on the team. Uh, and I, that's he's the last one I can really remember him talking that much in that way about. So it's nice to see someone finally step up. Well, he he did say that Bliss reminds him a lot of Alex Smith from last sure. year, sure. Um, which is a good comparison too, I think. But yes, I it does resonate more to me with the way he talked about Baltus than right. I don't really Being remember him a... talking about Smith like that much. And then the other thing that I got from the Joe Show is he talked about somebody once again asked about the selection process. And he pretty much laid out the same process that we've been laying out all season. That each league should get two bids except for the ECAC because they don't have enough teams. So you basically end up with 11 auto bids from uh, regular season and tournament champions. And then let the conferences figure out how they'll decide if somebody wins both of those. And then uh, the rest would be at large, which I think is the way to go this year in this environment 
Um, that's really all I had from the show. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to do it. We've talked about that quite a bit, though. Yep. Yeah, including last week, which was good. Yeah, I thought Drew had some great thoughts on that. Let's see. So we've got questions. Should we start with the more serious ones? Our first question will go to Discord. Um, This one is for our guests. Uh, Drunk Train Polka. I don't know his real name. Does anybody? I know he's like uh, a teacher at a, Tech, he's isn't he? He's a professor, yeah. Yeah. Look. yeah, professor at Tech. And I, I looked him up before because I remember doing that. But he's from Brazil or something, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Uh, he wants to know about the elephant in the room. What does the future hold for Alabama Huntsville? We could start speak for an hour on that. Um, they pitched to two conferences. Um, they have, according to Bucci Gross, they have offered a travel subsidy uh, to the CCHA teams to come down there and play and Atlantic hockey teams to come down and play. It, it's really a function of um, what is in that, their pitch. They do have an institutional commitment of $17, $17 million, excuse me, or $1.7 million over the next 10 years, which will help fund uh, <laughs> fund them being more towards that top level of the game, which is when we talk to everyone this summer and this year, that's where they want to be. Um, and going forward, really, they just want to find a home to play in. Um, we are talking with athletic director Kate Smith this Wednesday, and we'll try and figure out where things are, what what are some contingencies, what are some plans that you, that you guys have, how has this year been for you, things like that. So we'll hopefully... Check check back in to see more sports um, after Wednesday. We'll we'll have some more on that. Okay. Well, so by the time, so it'll be published on Wednesday. You said. Uh, Wednesday night. So Wednesday night. Okay. We, we have. Well, this podcast now. comes out on Thursday morning. So basically, when you're listening to this, it should be there already. That's the goal. Perfect. I mean, some people will get to listen tomorrow, and some get to listen Wednesday, but most <laughs> listen Thursday. You got to pay money to listen early, so. I honestly, my personal opinion is that Huntsville can't go anywhere but up from where they are currently. Um, I know that's not saying much. Um, the 17 freshmen that they now have are, 14, sorry, are full of potential. Um, uh, it's just a great group of people. Um, coach West has put together um, a great coaching staff. Um, they're one of three teams that have a goalie paid to. At least two that we know of. That have a paid uh, full-time uh, goaltender coach on staff. As an assistant. Um, which So uh, he's one of the two assistants? Is that correct. what you're saying? Uh, Carmine, Guer- Carmine Guerrero. Is uh, okay. one of two goaltenders. That name still induces rage and long memories. <laughs> he still remember. He still remembers his record and, and quite fondly, as you may imagine. <laughs> I've, I I think I I think he's actually tweeted back to me before when I've complained about that game. Probably he's he's kind of salty about it, but that's okay. Um, he uh, uh and and uh, the team is all of the boys who have been very um really enjoyed the. The changing in the coaching staff and um, the different viewpoints that they get um, from um, listening, having a goaltender on staff, um, helping them with, you know, where to shoot the puck and how do you read your goaltender and 
um, doing more of those things. Um, how to block shots. How to block shots, which is something they didn't do very much last year at all. Um, and, you know, just uh, I think that they've actually come together as a team um, completely this year, where last year um, was very separated and very cliquish and um, it wasn't cohesive. And this year they're finally playing as a team. Um, and I definitely think that, you know, may, might not happen this year, but I think in the next four seasons, they'll definitely probably be at the top of whatever conference that they end up in. Yeah, it'll be interesting where they do end up. Is there more or anything more on like, are they actually getting a new rink? Yes. That's the plans are, um, plans are being drawn up and plans are being made for a rink. However, until they find a conference home, uh, rink plans are just in planning stages until they find a conference home. They're not going to build a rink until after they have a new conference. Okay. So that's going to be a a little bit of a chicken and egg type thing for a little while here, probably. Yep. But I will say that their current facility has has served them quite well, and they've renegotiated their relationship with the... um, with the Von Braun Center and the, and they've actually had the Huntsville Havoc, the SPHL team who plays in that building, help them uh, with marketing, help them with other things. And if you guys saw the Ferris State game, the atmosphere there was electric for the, the thousand and change people that were there. So they've done a better job at marketing and promoting their program this year. And um, there's hopefully a lot more good things to come. Definitely working on the more in-game experiences um, we spoke with uh, the Nashville president, Predators president a couple weeks ago, who also sits on um, the advisory board. And that was one of their biggest things. You know, Huntsville is only a two hour drive and people will drive from Nashville to Huntsville to go watch the Havoc, but they won't go to watch Huntsville play. And why? Why is that? And a lot of it comes down to is the end game experience. Um, so they've been taking a lot of notes from the Havoc on how to create a better experience once you're there. Cool. Well, I definitely wish them luck because it's nice having them in college hockey, but it's it's hard to have. I mean, we all understand why what happened happened, and hopefully they can right their ship and get to a place where they're they're included somewhere and can grow and improve. Bushwood Husky wants to know uh, our thoughts on Gavin Gould throughout the weekend. I think he he looked like he was playing with a chip on his shoulder, like he should be. Yeah. And he um, went out and helped the team beat us twice. That's all I'm going to say about it without getting grumpy. He did. <laughs> My favorite part of that whole storyline is the fact that Biddy, our former guest, called out Gavin saying, I see you scoring on your former team. And apparently Gavin liked it, even though Biddy didn't tag him. <laughs> so somebody, <laughs> so somebody likes to search for himself on Twitter. Well, there's there's that, but <laughs> I I I think we saw the same exact Gavin that we we came to love at Tech, just playing yeah, for a different team. He's, and he's the kind exact, of guy that gets under the skin. He gets under the skin. He's gonna get really involved in the offensive zone. He's gonna be a complete liability on defense, even if we can't expose it. But I th- yep. he's the same Gavin on a different team, and I guess good on him for scoring and getting his bragging rights. It's just a shame we can't throw it back in his face with another series later in the year. Yeah, I would agree. 
All right. So now we've got the two off the rails questions, both from patrons. So I guess we're supposed to ask though or talk about them. <laughs> so uh, our newest pa- patron, Harrison Watt, asked, "How many mega lasagnas does it take to make an ultra lasagna?" I'm gonna go ahead and say five. We have to hold on. We need to explain what a, a mega. We gotta explain what a mega lasagna no, is. No, we gotta tell people to listen to last week's episode to figure yeah, that out. Keep keep up with the I don't Joneses. Think that's, that's they not should fair know to our guests. They should know what a mega lasagna is now. We can explain it for Seymour Sports, but we better cut it out for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so we already know his answer to last week's question. He thinks two lasagnas is a mega lasagna. Fifteen. Well, if it's if it if we think about this logically and two lasagnas make a mega it has to be some form of power of two that makes an ultra lasagna so i'm going with four it scales up so it has to be four yeah mega lasagna mega lasagnas makes an ultra lasagna right and then if we go to whatever whatever's above ultra is eight yeah you know we just keep stepping i think you're right that logic definitely tracks, but just for the average Joe, that isn't going to remember that. It mathematically works, yeah. Math- so does it. Mathematically. So- <laughs> I, th- I was told there was <laughs> yeah. no well, math. Well, well, you don't have to worry about it, but I'm just saying is, that, like, mathematically that logic tracks, but I think for your average Joe, you got to go five. I think five is what constitutes an ultra design. So, Rob. Just to clarify, are you saying it takes four mega lasagnas or four lasagnas? It's four lasagnas. Okay, yeah. so two mega lasagnas. Okay, correct. To make an ultra lasagna, it's like cups, quarts, and okay. gallons. Oh, so we're going. Yeah, we're going uh, imperial here. Got it. Yeah, this is these are imperial lasagnas. Imperial lasagna. Yeah. Do we have to think of a whole? <laughs> not, not metric do we have lasagna. to make up a metric yeah. lasagna now for the people? Is this? <laughs> Is this what's going down on the pod now? Uh, Those are, the metric, the metric was. I can't are the, believe yeah. how fu- this is so right, far off right. the rails. Oh I am. I'm going to try this again. It has never worked in the history of this podcast, but it works on my other podcast because I'm somehow one of the listeners that still listens to the end. But if you are still listening at this point, please tweet out to Tech Hockey Guide. Hashtag ultra lasagna, and let's see who's still listening after 83 minutes of us talking about hockey and now oh, wow, lasagna. Wow, it's almost 11 p.m. on the East Coast, and we are still talking about lasagna. Yeah, lots of work, and I can't wait. All right, so let's just move on to the series this weekend and make some predictions, since I think we've gone long enough. Do we want to pepper Ferris in there as well? Like the one no, Ferris game? No, because it's going to happen before anybody hears this. Okay, fair enough. All right. Like, I'm not like... I get what you're saying. You can throw it out there if you want, since half the people that listen to this don't listen till after the games anyway. That's... Well, that's fair, but... Anyway, so coming off the victory, what do you guys think will happen this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I think it's going to be a split. <laughs> that's just my opinion i think it's going to be a tight played game and i think it's going to be a split i think yeah i i will agree if Piela plays like we know he can it'll it'll be a split or a tech sweep but we're yeah i'll i'll say a split um one game huntsville speed is going to outmaneuver tech the other game tech is going to show that they, they that they are a little bit more experienced and have more of their systems in place and they'll dominate time and time and space and win. I'd be curious to see if if Joe has Sinclair play at all this uh, the next three down games. Huntsville or not. Yeah, given that you know he did let him play against Huntsville 
uh, in the earlier series, right? Right. And it's I think it's a nice touch to let somebody play, you know, their former team like that. It makes sense, right? Right. But I I agree. I think it's I I'm going to go with a split this weekend as well. Given the letdowns we've had with Bowling Green, I don't know whether or not the mentality is there to go down and, and sweep like you you need to do against the Ferris against Huntsville in the league to stay near the top. This is what sets you apart from the teams that are at the top of the league. And I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. What do you think, Dustin? My positivity of the last few weeks has backfired on me, so I'm going to say Huntsville sweeps. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> that's that's not a positive thing coming out of his mouth. I think it's going to be a sweep for Tech, but I don't think it's going to be as wide of a margin as we would be ordinarily comfortable it being against Huntsville. It never is against Huntsville. I completely agree. I think what's going to happen is Tech's going to win these three games, and all three of them are still going to piss off the fans on Discord because it won't be enough. That's one thousand percent what I would say. It's going to they're going to be three wins, but they're going to be three wins that aren't good enough for us. <laughs> not for us. You guys need to get some better attitudes. <laughs> not not for us. I'm not talking about me and Matt and Dustin. Us on the pod, we tend to be the more level-headed tech fans, if you can even believe that. That's, that's oh, I know Jesus. it's a tough look, but <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm very level-headed. I picked I picked uh, Huntsville. Yeah, but sleep. that's because you're you're <laughs> pissed off that you're positive. You're trying to like yeah. reverse jinx the Huskies, aren't you? No, I'm just upset that I I finally became was positive on the team and they screwed me over. As a Minnesota sports fan, you should have learned that lesson a long <laughs> time ago. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh god, never be positive about <laughs> anything. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Thanks again to Oliver Francis and Kelsey Sagvald for joining us from Seymour Sports. Thank you for thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Follow us at Seymour Sports on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. We love covering tech and all the underdogs, and we uh, it's going to be a good good games this weekend. Yeah, thanks again. For sure. You guys can go to bed now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks for staying up with us. No, we really right. appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I get up at five, yeah, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Caffeine is our friend. Oh, and we have a two-year-old, and we each work full-time jobs. Too. <laughs> you two are ridiculous. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna go write an article about AIC. So fun. have a good night, you guys. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. It was fun. Yep. Thank you so much for coming on. Good night, guys. Good night. Yeah, good, night. good night. Thank you. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting Patreon.com/slash/TechHockeyGuide. Patrons that are black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Patrons at the white level or above get access to the monthly Zoom chat, featuring guests like John Scott, Joe Sean, and more to come. Our next Zoom chat will be Tuesday, February 9th, 2021 at 8 p.m. Central with former MTU Huskies player and current Youngstown Phantoms head coach Brad Patterson. This will be just hours after MTU's Tuesday afternoon game against Ferris State. Hopefully by then, Michigan Tech will have won three straight games, or four straight games. We can always celebrate. Coming off of sweeps of Ferris and Huntsville. I guess the split sweep, whatever you want to call that. Is it still a sweep if it's split between another sweep? I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Is that a mega sweep?
That must be a mega sweep. Oh if, it's, if it's a sweep book ended by a sweep, it's definitely gonna, a mega sweep. Are we gonna t- are we gonna title this episode the mega sweep? Yeah, that's please, what we're gonna please, call it right please, now. Mega sweep, please. Question and mark. nobody's gonna get where it came from because it's in the freaking eighty seven or ninety seventh minute of the podcast. Nobody still <laughs> listens to this part anyway. I used to when I was a listener and not on it. I used to listen to the whole thing, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like I think fifty percent of the people make it to the end. 70% make it to where I start talking at the end, I think. <laughs> Usually as soon as I say, like, that should do it for this episode, that's when people stop listening. Yeah, okay, that's where I used to get off at the, in the old days. Oh, all I know is that on my podcast app, I let them play all the way out so they're completely show as red. Yeah, me too. That's what I usually do. Because usually I'm not that... Like, sometimes I'll fast forward the last minute if, for whatever right. reason, I stopped it early. But anyway, this is all wasted now. <laughs> <laughs> you'll need to be a patron at the white level or above to participate in that zoom chat that's just two dollars a month uh thanks again to our two newest patrons harrison watt and sarah gillette for supporting us follow us on twitter at chasing mac pod or at tech hockey guide you can submit questions for email address chasing mac at tech hockey or send a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasing mac pod if you do that, we'll actually splice your audio into the podcast. Nobody's done that yet, so you can be the first. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast in your site of choice, please let us know, and we'll make it happen. The more you rate, review, or share, the more people we can reach, so tell your friends. As always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the Thank You Notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. <laughs>